Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Text Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a man who has become a vital part of South Africa's electronic and club culture over the last 20 years. This DJ, producer, label owner, radio host, and promoter has helped nurture a new wave of musical talent across the board, from hip-hop to house to new age jazz, and his open-minded approach to embracing genre and recognizing talent has established him as a cornerstone of our industry. I am, of course, talking about Alan Nichol, better known to all of us as Kid Funk. Alan, welcome to the show. How are you Thank doing? Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here chatting to you about my life. It's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to get you on this podcast forever. But it's been a very long time since you could talk about our electronic and house scene and not mention you. But I wanted to take you back to when you were a kid. Mm. Uh, you were born in Scotland yep. before you and your parents moved to South Africa when you were about four, I think. Yes. Do you have any memories of your life in Scotland? Because I, I mean, I don't even know what I was doing yesterday, let alone when I was four. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't have many memories. My, I, I, I remember being cold, but uh, <laughs> not, not many like memories of me doing much everything my life really started here in South Africa um, my, my love for music and me spending lots of time with my family surrounded by music all the time is all the memories I have of my childhood um, I, there's I've been back to Scotland a few times oh, really? um, yeah and uh, it's very very cool but being born in Scotland I, I, I am born I was born in Scotland. I am Scottish, but this is without a doubt, I am totally South African. I mean, I've been raised here and uh, I've been so involved and entrenched in the South African music scene for the longest time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, although I'm Scottish, I proudly call myself South African. South Africa is in your blood. No, I mean, same as me. I mean, my uh, my father's Italian. Okay. Um, but I was born here and I feel more of a connection with South Africa than I do with, with anywhere else. But I've heard you mention before that your father was a lover of all kinds of music. Still is. And still is. Big, big influence in my life when it comes to me discovering my passion and, and my then my passion turned into, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've heard you mention before that your father was and still is a lover of all kinds of music and that your love for music started with him and came from him. What are some of the musical sounds and songs that come to mind when you think of growing up in a Nickel household? 
Uh, my dad was a huge fan of John Martin, and I really got and still love John Martin. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he's a he's a folk artist from the UK, and he used to like play a lot of electronic stuff in his productions and kind of quite out there or future productions in music for its era, which really kind of got me excited. I was always excited about new sounds or, or like the new. And um, he, he was he got played a lot in our house growing up. But I think it was it was the first time my dad picked up a compilation called Rebirth of Cool that it kind of I really uh, zoned in on something that I wanted to be part of and that was it and, and Rebirth of Cool was a compilation that came out in the early 90s that would kind of feature a lot of different musical styles but they were all very now and they were all had a kind of twist of jazz which I suppose was the beginning of the acid jazz era and um, you know on one CD you would find drum and bass and you would find the Beastie Boys and you'd find Kruder and Dorfmeister and you'd find some house music but it all had a similar musical thread which I really really liked and it was very fresh and um, that, that that was probably the time where I, I decided what I wanted to do and, and be part of and it was that and I got really into to the early trip hop scene in a big way uh, Mo Wax uh, with James Avell and Ninja Tune I love Ninja Tune I, lo- I loved you know Mo Wax had its its um kind of coolness uh, with all the toys and, and the amazing signings that James Laval would do and DJ Shadow. And then Ninja Tune was was just this incredible independent record label run by these mad scientists, uh, Cold Cut. It's alive! And they would release these mixtapes, which would blow my mind. I mean, the, the one mix got kind of, I think it was Mix Mag's Mix of the Century or something. Where they, mix they, of the century. That's it was, madness. It, it 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 literally that mix is madness because because you would they were kind of chopping between genres flawlessly or effortlessly. Like you would be in drum and bass and you'd be in techno, then you'd be in hip hop, then you'd be in soul, then you'd be in ambience, but you didn't hear a mix. They were just technically insane. So I, that, those were my inspirations. That's what I was listening to all the time, and that's when I decided I, I need to become a DJ. You know, I'm so happy that you mentioned Cold Cut and Ninja Tune because last season we actually had Matt Black, one half of Cold Cut and Ninja Tune on Text Talks. And Alan, when I tell you that chatting to him was like a whole education for me on the UK house scene and because he's so, he's like a mad scientist. Like scientist is the exact correct word to Mm. use to describe him because he was also like technologically pioneering a lot of the gear that totally. was being used at that time, which yeah, is yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. But but what was it about the UK house scene specifically that drew you in, as opposed to something else? I, I, it it's it wasn't necessarily house. Like I, I only got into house much later. House was always there, but I was into kind of like abstract future productions, experimental stuff. And Ninja Tune and Mowax ticked those boxes very heavily for me. Mm. And uh, it was like, it was just new. It was just so exciting. It felt like there was a new kind of school of thought in music and 
these guys were the pioneers the, the, at the forefront of, of doing things differently and unique and there being no rules. Uh, because I think when electronic music started, it was essentially made for dance music uh, or more on a 4-4 uh, kind of set. And, and now you've got these guys that are taking electronic music and hip-hop sampling and all these new ways of creating music and, and doing something fresh with it, which when I was like 16, 17, it was, my head was just blew up. It was very, very exciting for me and definitely something that I, I, I wanted to be part of. Um, and th that was the beginning of my DJ career. So at this point, you're like 16 years old and you're like, yes, now I'm going to start dabbling in DJing and production. Like I'm so incredibly inspired. Did you ever know what type of music it was that you wanted to make or did you just go into it like like a sponge wanting to absorb as much of it that you can? So I, I was very fortunate where um, my influences and the music I was listening to was very much multi-genre. Um, and on the one side, you had the technical aspect of DJing, um, which I was heavily influenced by with, with Cold Cuts and Ninja Tune and even James Lavelle from Moax. He knew how to bridge genres and play a set from 90 BPM to 160 BPM sure. flawlessly. And then on the other hand, I was heavily, heavily influenced by Giles Peterson, who never mm -hmm. actually really mixed in, in a, like an hour set, he would maybe mix two songs and then the rest of the songs were just played. And it wasn't about finding music that would work in a sequence. It was f about finding the best music. And that's what Giles really helped me with. It was like, no B-sides. If the track doesn't work in a mix, still play it because it's amazing. And that really kind of opened my eyes too. So I was very heavily influenced by all of these UK pioneers of eclecticism, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, just guys that were just solely and totally like into music. And um, I wasn't doing very well in school. I, I dropped out of school, went to college, Rudderport College, where I started DJing. Um, we used to have DJs during lunch breaks and I, I was on a Wednesday, I think. And you used to have DJs during lunch breaks. Where right. is this place? This is amazing. Rudderport College. Oh my um, God, shout out Rudderport College. That's where it all started for me. I mean... <laughs> It was two front-loading uh, tray CD players. Uh, I didn't know what pitch was. So it was just <laughs> necessarily about playing your music during lunch. Mm. And I was always the most, like, uh, the weirdest, if you will. Because, you know, we had other DJs. We had Rob, he was playing techno. Jonathan was playing house. And they would keep it straight up. And that, that mm -hmm. was their, their world. And I was you knew so, what you were getting from them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was so I was just into trip-hop and ninja tune and hip-hop. And I'd be mixing up like the far side with the roots and then drops, you know, Funky Porcini from... And the kids had no idea what they were listening to. But it, it, it was the beginning of something for me. Um, and th that was when I was like, this is what I want to do. I, I want to be a DJ first and foremost. I want to be able to do what these guys are doing overseas. And uh, that's when I, I, I sort of put my head down and just put the focus on. And uh, over 20 years, and I'm still here, just doing exactly the same thing, you know? You know, Alan, I read an article on Track Source back in the day that listed these like fun facts about you. I think like back in the day was probably one of the only things that you could find online, you know, interviews with you. Sure. And I'll never forget this one because I thought it was so funny. Like 
the one fact listed that you were so obsessed with getting into the music industry that you took a job where you were a security guard. That's and where it all started. That's watch. literally where it started. Yeah. <laughs> So I was a security guard watching another security guard. Pretty much. That <laughs> was then, the only way I could get in. Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd driven my parents so crazy. with like I think they'd lost hope in me. And all I wanted to do was go overseas and be part of this community. Uh, especially, I, I couldn't buy any records in this country that of what I was into. Because mm-hmm. House Africa and a couple of the other record stores, their focus was house music. And I was like, I, I, I want to play the stuff that Cold Cut are playing or the stuff that Charles Peterson's playing or, or James Lavelle. They didn't have it. So I convinced my parents to send me to the UK when I was 17. And I think they were quite happy to get rid of me and see if I could, you know, figure out this life thing by myself. But the one thing I did in the year that I was over there was collect the records I wanted uh, because they were so available. You know, in 97... Uh, DJ Shadows introducing dropped as I got to the UK blew my mind and then I I started collecting all these records I came back a year later with music that no other DJ had and um, that's that was what opened up the doors for me um, to get to start DJing but through that I, I, I essentially wanted to be in the music business too it wasn't just about DJing I knew that I wanted to be someone on the floor selling some music to someone or, or mm-hmm. helping navigate or curate what, what people are purchasing. And um, I tried getting into Virgin and a couple of the, the other stores in the UK and they all wanted experience and I had none. And I came back and the same thing, I couldn't get into CD Warehouse, I couldn't get into Look and Listen. And then fortunately, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Eventually, uh, someone that used to come and watch me DJ to a six was like, There's, there might be a position open at Look and Listen, but you're going to have to sit and watch a security guard because they had the guys stamping uh, receipts at the front desk, the mm. security guards, and I had to keep an eye on them. And I did it for very little pay. And during my lunch breaks, I would run downstairs and sell music out of the dance section. I remember... What kind of got me the job was the fact that I sold like 25 Larry Heard best ofs through EMI. And no other staff member had ever sold that amount of CDs from the dance section. And then I kind of twisted their arm and that that was the beginning of my journey um, in the music industry and kind of opened the door for me to become a full-time sales rep at Look and Listen. So you essentially persuaded the manager to give you a full-time job. That is phenomenal. This is kind of what I do. I, I, I still do <laughs> it. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a pain in the ass if I want something. Um, but I know I know what I want and, and kind of it, there's very little things that can discourage me. Um, but I knew I wanted to be in retail. And I knew, you know, growing up, if you wanted to be in the music industry, you needed to start. Um, selling music to people and that's what I did and I absolutely loved it it's it's so unfortunate the whole retail physical CD market is gone Um, it's nice to see that there's still records around but Mm. I loved interacting with people and and taking like 15 CDs and giving it to them and and essentially turning people onto new music which is fortunately what I still do through my radio show exactly I was just about Mm. to say but I'm very happy that you mentioned Club 206 because I know that um, that was a very formative time for you. That was where you had your debut residency. Talk to me about this time in your career and how that whole residency came about. 
uh, again, forced our way in there. Uh, literally, because th- no one knew who we were. Uh, there was a friend of ours called Donovan, and he he kind of set it up uh, with Alan Freeman, who owned Two Six at the time. And he was like, listen, we've got these DJs that can play at the back. We'll bring the sound system. We'll bring the turntables. We'll bring the music. They just want to play. And we did that. I did it with a good friend of mine, Scott Smith. We, we would pack up all of our equipment at home, speakers, amps, turntables, put everything in the car, two boxes of records, and we would run the night at the back of 206 until the every single Tuesday night, which was Drum and Bass Tuesdays. We were the alternative at the back. And uh, we weren't getting paid for it. It was just us trying to showcase. Up. Yeah. Mm. And then it got to the point where I was, you know, uh, look at listen was a full-time job for me and getting home at three or four o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday morning and having to go to work was affecting me mm. so I said listen can the owner Alan to a six I said listen I need to put this on pause maybe I can do it twice a month um but it doesn't make sense for me and he was like well I'm gonna buy you guys a sound system I'm gonna buy you guys turntables and I'm gonna pay you to come and do the back for every single Tuesday. And that changed the game for me. That was like, I can actually make money from what I love. And mm. I don't have to un- like plug my speakers and my amp and my whole, and everything will be set up. And th- those were probably some of the most exciting times. I mean, Scott, Scott gave it up for a while and, and I got um, Troy Lilly, who was one of the, the coolest guys that worked at Sugar Tracks. We became very good friends. He used to... Uh, come and play with me we would play six hours every single tuesday and then musically that's when i really started getting into uh house but more broken beats mm-hmm. new jazz and oh it was a time it was a great time it was it was the beginning of of essentially kid funk and and people recognizing what i do you know i think that your more eclectic side of music appreciation materialized in the form of your two sides of the beat brand Ooh. as well. Like first as a club night with up and coming and obviously established guests um, showcasing more experimental sounds, but then also with your radio show that you had on the now defunct Josie Maboneng radio, mm. which in a lot of ways was a blueprint for selective styles. Totally. I mean, Jayabar was was essentially a uh, for me to get my my stripes in radio because I had no idea how to do anything, <laughs> and I'd go there. And I knew that I wanted to do it, and I knew that I had great records to play people. But it kind of helped me find my voice um, and helped me gain the confidence. And to be honest, I probably did it for a year and a half every single Saturday religiously, and played the show to I think more no more than three people. Um, were listening but it was something I knew that I had to do and I think if I hadn't have done that or had the experience of it I don't think 5FM would have given me that call Mm. you know I think that a lot of us in the music industry starting out that are in positions where you know we have our own podcast, our own show on national radio. Um, you know, like I started on assembly radio, <laughs> which which now no longer exists. Like, but we we do what we do for the love of. So you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that it's very important because that's what nurtures and grows organic scenes, really, at sure. the end of the day. Hundred percent. But but the last time I interviewed you was alongside uh, house DJ and producer and your friend, Johnny Miller, when you released Connected back in March. Yes. And one of the things that I love the most about 
that album is how you manage to unearth and spotlight the most insane underground or up-and-coming talent, which is right up my alley because that's what I do at, at Tex in the City as well. Um, but did you and Johnny just instinctively agree upon who you were going to get involved on the project or was it like a slow process of picking people? I think, you know, my life is, is consumed by discovering um, new talents, whether it be for Stay True Sounds, Stay True Beats, both of them are record labels, or whether it be showcasing incredible talents um, on my radio show, Selective Styles, or whether it be producing and helping other people connect the dots with their productions. Mm. Like, my, I, I definitely know my purpose here on this planet is to you know, kind of shine a spotlight on people that don't get much. Um, and I feel that, um, to answer your question, Johnny, Johnny definitely knows I'm more entrenched in, in the South African scene here. So, you know, we have to agree or at least have some sort of history or productions from them to hear. And if we both vibe with it, then he generally trusts me. Um, but, you know, he's on, he's on the State Tree Sounds promo list. He, he gets a lot of music from me as I do from him. Mm. And, um, yeah, we generally... You know, he, he wants certain people to to do stuff which I agree on and I want certain people to do stuff which he agrees on. And it's quite, it's a relatively easy process for us to pick people to work with. Hmm. It was actually from that interview that you got me onto ASAP Shembe because you Yo. told me that he's the future of SA Hip Hop. So I was like, I got to get on this guy. And I still he, stand by that without a he's doubt. He's a yeah. phenomenal talent, Alan. Like, I'm so happy that you told me that. Sure. Just uh, do my job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who's your latest discovery? Either, I don't know, through your show or through your label, Stay True Sounds. Who's the next talent that like you can't wait to share with the world? Oh, I've got so much. I'm always working on my label like every day. It's, it's really become a business. It has become a full-time business, which I just love waking up to. Uh, but as far as people that I genuinely get excited for, there's a lot of people that, that obviously I've been able to bring up um, through the label and the radio show like China Chameleon which is mm. super exciting and, and he's always doing great work but when it comes to people that are kind of at the beginning of their journey and I know that through the label and a couple of other platforms that are curate we're going to be able to grow these guys into much bigger brands that they are now and uh, Hyperphonic without a doubt is one of those guys and another guy I discovered Alpeo uh, discovered him through a remix competition that we did on State True Sounds and he submitted wow. the most um, amazing remix of a track that we did with J.D. Vader called Somewhere and his his remix was essentially like a broken beats thing and you know Johnny jumped on it Alice and I was like oh this, this kid's incredible and from there we've been chatting and he's been sending me productions and I'm going to be putting out a, a seven track EP in about three or four months, I was going through it uh, just before this interview, and he is—he's the next thing for me, uh, musically, uh, and and you know, for for what a lot of producers are doing in this country, he's doing something very fresh. Um, mm. But I'm I'm genuinely excited a lot of the time about the music that I'm able to find and put out um, because it, it is exciting. There's a lot of like great producers in this country that are not you know, interested in, in becoming top 10 um, artists. Just want to make good tunes. Exactly. Fortunately, I, I'm able to to have my little niche um, world that they fit into. 
And uh, yeah, it, it, it is genuinely a, an exciting time in South Africa for music. Well, I've been making notes while you've been talking, and I hope that everybody else listening has. If not, you can rewind this section and go to, <laughs> go check out all the people that he just mentioned. But when did you decide to take that leap of faith and start your own label? I mean, you just mentioned that what you do has become a business, but like starting mm. any business from the ground up can be daunting. But did you think that you had enough of the know-how from all of your years at Soul Candy and also the support to strike out alone? Um, sure. I learned so much at, at Soul Candy. Soul Candy was definitely like my school when it comes to understanding the business because the music business is a very, very tricky, um, mm -hmm. can be very difficult. And uh, I, I was I was drowning a lot at Soul Candy and managed to swim and, and figure things out and, and got a lot of advice from copyright lawyers. And it was, it was a, a definite... Without that time, I don't think I'd be able to be doing what I'm doing now. Um, so it was very important part of my life, Soul Candy. Um, but going at it alone, it wasn't something I had planned at all. Um, Julian Gomes and myself said, if uh, I ever had to leave Soul Candy, we would start a record label together. And that's exactly what we did. We started State True Sounds together. And um, after, I think it was a year and a half or two years, um, you know, things just weren't working together for Julian and I. And he mm -hmm. decided to to go and open his own label, World Without End, um, which we did amicably and we both still very, very good friends and he loves what I've been able to do with the label. Um, but to answer your question, I never, ever thought that I would call something that I had created um, kind of out of not knowing what else to do a business and mm. you know the the label's doing really well it's it's definitely got a firm foundation in in south africa and um it's it's a hundred percent of of my focus during the week it's it, when when people get up and go do their nine to five at whatever job they do this is what i do i wake up and, and focus on my record label and uh it's extremely rewarding when things start turning on and when you can mm. actually support yourself and family through doing something you love, which has been an uh, amazing journey for me. Your radio show, Selective Styles on 5FM, also feeds very nicely into what you do at Stay Two Sounds and sort of amplifies that in a way and spotlights mm. underground electronic talent. Now, how many submissions are you going through per show, Alan? And like, are you really? listening to everything? Because you're a no, busy man. So no, do you have I don't, someone? I don't, I don't, no. <laughs> it's, su it's such a, uh, like, honestly, if, if you want to find out the most asked question, for me, is how do I submit a demo, oh either to my label or either to <laughs> the radio show. I can't, if I had to show you my Facebook inbox, if I had to show you my Instagram DMs, if I had to show it is the most asked question. Okay, uh, okay. So now let's, let's put this question to rest, right? I'm giving you free reign to tell everybody listening how to submit <laughs> to your show. Okay, I'm going to disappoint everyone. You can't. It's that simple. I, I don't have time. I, and this comes up in interviews time and time again. I really don't have time to go through everyone's music. Um, I'm in a fortunate position where I have a lot of people around me that I've been able to nurture and, and bring mm -hmm. up. And if they discover someone that's dope or exciting, I generally hear about it. And if not, then I don't hear about it. But I, my release schedule goes up to November. 
this year. That's how far ahead I am with music. So that's I'm not, crazy. I'm, I'm not struggling for content. I'm not waking up going, oh my gosh, I wish I'd found the next thing. Because fortunately, I'm onto the next thing. I get a lot of music sent to me the right way. And then I get a lot of people trying to get my attention, which generally I just ignore. And it's, it literally is about time. And mm-hmm. I, if I had to sit and go through everything everyone sent me, Every day, I would have no time to actually do what a label needs to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm in a, like I said, I'm in a fortunate position where, you know what, if someone's doing something really, really exciting and dope, I'm, I, inevitably, I'm going to find out about it and uh, be able to, to work or, or do something um, with that artist. You know, the, the whole story of El Payo, um, you know, winning the remix competition is an, a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, of of finding an artist through something that we activated and you know it goes back to Chama music um when i worked at soul candy and mikasa was was just in its infancy they did these streets as their first single they did a remix competition just like i did and Chama music won that remix competition and he no one knew who he was and from that we were able to build Chama music story Mm. Um, and I kind of feel the same way and it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's about time and it's about just uh, quality of a quantity and, you know, I, I can't get to everything. So the answer is there is no promo or demo system at all. Um, and my life is actually easier and simpler for it because we did do this at Salt Candy once a week and it was very stressful. Um, and if, if, trust me, if you're making dope stuff, I can try it. I'm going to find you somehow or some way because that's what I do. I'm out there to just find the best music. And if if your quality is that high, we'll find you. Make dope shit and Kid Funk will find you. 100%. (laughs) But the creed of your label is that it places good taste over hits and longevity over trends, which I love. But how has the label evolved since you put out your first release in 2016? You know, coming from a a background of kind of multi-genre music and then coming from the background of a house record label, I wanted to do a multi-genre label, which Julian always wasn't 100% sure about. And um, we did pick up a lot of house records, obviously the first one being Bruce Loco. And then that kind of painted the picture of of what the label was going to be. And I started to release artists like Melody Jones who's a soul singer on the label and it didn't really work that well and through time I realized I needed to split it up I needed State True Sounds to be the house label and I needed to create something else for all this other interesting music that I find mm-hmm. so that's what I did I cut the label up and, and now that the focus is is State True Sounds is the house label in South Africa it's just gone from strength to strength and you know I've got State True Beats for all the other beautiful interesting um music that i discovered too so it keeps me happy but um i i i love the idea of i wasn't sure if state true sounds you know just being a house label i wasn't sure that was the best route when i started but without a doubt now it's it's is the only route and i've been able to um capture quite a large audience that are committed to my discoveries and and the music that I put out on on Statue Sounds. 
China Chameleon Remixes Day 2 Sounds is your label's 100th release and it drops tomorrow. How are you feeling about this epic milestone? Oh, I can't believe it. It's mad. I can't, I can't believe I've done 100 releases. And, you know, my story with China is, is another beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I've been able to do with him in a year and a half. Um, and what a it, year what, and a half? It's mad. You know, I, I, his wow. first release on State True Sounds, the Midnight Rain EP came out in January 2020. That was a couple of months before lockdown. Wow. And then Colors, his album, came out kind of, I think, June in 2020. Then he did Tell Me, Tell Me. And he did My Father's Record, his second album, in December 2020. And then, you know, two albums, two EPs in one year. And he's on um, over a million streams just what? on one of the, the platforms. The guy's DJing nonstop. And he's just, he's such a fire, such a great producer, such a great guy. And when it came to the 100th release, I was like, there's only one guy that's going to be able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And it was China. And it, it's super exciting. He's he's taken 13 tracks that are very close to my heart and, and to a lot of people that follow the label. And he's kind of reimagined them and, and completely um, made them his own. And it's a celebration for everyone, a celebration, obviously, for, for China, a celebration for the label and me. You know, as a label owner and and curator, it's an incredible project to to be putting out and a, a very big milestone for the label. You know, and, and I'm looking at doing another thousand releases. You released a promo video uh, on your social, it was so funny, um, where China said it was a huge honor, but also a scary honor to be putting together this release because at first he thought that there were a lot of tracks that really didn't need to be remixed, so he like didn't want to touch them. Sure. But but how are you hoping that people receive this compilation that you're about to put out? Uh, I know without a doubt that people are excited. We've done three instant grads, so three kind of like singles prior to release. We did one with Sculptured Musics, Sad to Think, China Chameleon Remix dropped today, and then two, uh, four, three others, three others. And, you know, we're already number one in the pre-books on, on some platforms, and the hype is genuinely real in the in the house community for this one. So... Yeah, I've got a very strong feeling. Like I said, we've been able to do magic stuff with China. And obviously, a lot of it has to do with China because he's such an incredible producer. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to to celebrate and 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 kind of keep the, the, the light alive for exactly what we do uh, at the label, you know, build and, and promote incredible producers. I'm sure that there are many names and many faces that have contributed positively to the explosion of Stay Two Sounds over the last five years. But, but looking back on all the good, what would you say to those people who Stay Two Sounds holds very dear to its heart? Uh, I don't know. Just uh, keep listening because there's just still there's so much. Uh, after we released Stay Two Sounds uh, 100. At the end of uh, June, I'm going. I'm going to release the release schedule for the rest of the year, so people can see. And oh wow, you know, it's just there's just so much good stuff. I, I I get really excited myself. I have to hold myself back and like because I get the music months and months in advance, and I'm just like I should be playing this now, but then someone's going to hear it now, and then in, it'll only be available in four months. So I have to I have to uh, contain myself. Uh, and kind of 
be patient with a lot of the music. Um, but yeah, I, I just it's, we're going to get bigger and better at State True Sounds. Uh, I now, for the first time, actually have some people that work with me. So I have a little team of staff that Very help cool. build things that I need to get done because I can't do it all myself. And then the next big thing, um, the next focus for me, and it has been the focus for for the past two years, but I've not been able to travel due to COVID, uh, but is is definitely pushing the label overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's without a doubt a, a space for us to exist overseas. So that that's my next um, thing that will be happening without a doubt. Well, Alan, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me on Text Talks today. Your your story, your industry insights, your general knowledge, everything is so inspirational. And and I wish you all the best of luck with your next 1,000 minutes. Thank you, you so much. Oh, you got to come back. Yeah. On the, well, can we do one maybe on the 200th release? Because if we do 1,000, I might be about 60. <laughs> okay, we can definitely do a 200th one. Okay, done deal. Thanks so much.
joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Engs and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side.